My name is John Heights. Uh, if you're not familiar with the show, what we do is I've written for a magazine called Vintage Guitar for, oh, 30 years or so. Uh, the interviews I've done over 25 years have been recorded, and uh, now we're turning them into a podcast we call The Fret Club. You can check out Vintage Guitar, by the way, at VintageGuitar.com. All kinds of things you can see there uh, concerning Vintage Guitar. As far as I'm concerned, it's the best guitar magazine available. Uh, today, our uh, Fret Club is concerned with Steve Van Zant. He's uh, known mostly to most people as Little Steven. For a while, he was also known as Miami Steve. A Little Steven, born November 22, 1950 in Massachusetts. He moved to New Jersey at the age of seven. Uh, he got the rock and roll bug uh, like most of us, actually, when he saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, the Rolling Stones on the Hollywood Palace. Uh, sometime in the 60s, uh, after playing in bands for a bit, he met a fellow named Bruce Springsteen. They were in different bands uh, and the same bands at some points, and uh, they became best of friends. Uh, they continued to be best of friends. Springsteen, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but he uh, made his mark as uh, he was kind of considered the Jimi Hendrix of New Jersey in the late 60s before, turning his attention to writing songs. Uh, what Stephen did, he co-founded Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. He helped establish that band, a very good band from the 70s, uh, and wrote most of the music for Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. Uh, he then uh, helped Springsteen with a few things, including arranging the horns on 10th Avenue Freeze Out in 1975 when Springsteen uh, was at a loss of what to do with that song. Uh, Springsteen also revealed that Stephen uh, wrote the signature guitar line, or at least most of it, on Born to Run. Eventually, Van Zant officially joined the E Street Band July 20th, 1975, during the first show of the Born to Run tour. The rest, uh, as they say, is E Street history. He also made some records in the 1980s with his own band, the Disciples of Soul. He put the band back together, Disciples of Soul, in 2017, ended up touring, making the record Soul Fire, which was mostly old songs he'd written back in the day for Southside Johnny and other acts. And then 2019, Summer of Sorcery came out. Uh, great record, and uh, here's his thoughts on how that all came about. This was a record that came uh, really organically from the Soul Fire transition, Let's call it that, because um, after 20 years, I wasn't ready to write a whole new album, and uh, <laughs> so we, so you know, I did, I did a, a bunch of cover songs that I had basically written for other people. Sure. Yeah. And then, um, you know, and then we started touring with it, and um, you know, about a year into the tour, uh, ideas started coming to me, and um, it was a very, very uh, like I say, a very organic uh, sort of uh, progress we made because I was, I was able to do it really because it, it, I kept the same band together now. Almost, mm -hmm. it'll be almost three years in, in September, I think. So yeah. we, um, you know, by keeping the same band together, you know, you get a certain uh, natural kind of progress that happens within the band. You know, I'm, I'm really a band guy. And so, you know, it really starts to feel secure, you know, and you have that foundation. And, and from that, um, just being, you know, able to absorb my whole life, which is the Soul Fire tour was really, you know, my life story, I mean, artistically. So, you know, it had mm -hmm. a little bit of everything. And, um, and I just was absorbing it and absorbing it, you know, for, for, for uh, like I say, like about a year. And then 
all of a sudden some new ideas started coming to me. So, so it was a, you know, and, and, I, and I decided that, look, if I'm going to do a new album, I want to change some things. I want to, you know, all my solo albums of the 80s were very autobiographical and they were all mm -hmm. very political. Sure. And I want to change, you know, I want to change both things. You know, I wanted to like, you know, I want to do strictly fiction from now on. And, um, and you know, really uh, what I did was ended up having like 12 little movies. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. You know, and I, and I get a chance to play a different character in each one. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just a lot more fun. It's a lot less pressure, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, than either, either either autobiography or, or politics. So, you know, and I and I was very happy with the results. You know, I really was able to do both things and, and come up with a whole new uh, set of uh, songs that uh, re reflect where I am right now very accurately. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, um, we're fictionalized, so they're kind of a bit more universal, you know. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it covers a lot of ground musically. It's almost it's almost, when you listen to it, it's almost a rock and roll history kind of thing, which which is your history basically, right? Yeah, that's right. And that's what I mean. I, I that was a direct result of of really reexamining that history in the Soul Fire show, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. you know being able to reabsorb that. After so many decades of, of, of not even thinking about it, you know. The current version of the Disciples of Soul, uh, it's a pretty large band, just a little under 20 people. Among those fellas is the music director, Mark Ribbler. Mark's a fine guitarist uh, on his in his own right, so how does uh, little Steven decide who's going to play what guitar parts and who's going to play all the solos? Here's what he told us. Well, so far, um, I, I, I told him, I said, look, if the pattern... If the pattern works the same as it did in the eighties mm -hmm. when I when I became a front man, I said, What's probably gonna happen, Mark, is you know, I'll start off playing a lot of guitar and then I will slowly stop playing, you know, and mm -hmm. become more more of a front man, you know. As I make that transformation, mm -hmm. I will play less and less. You know, I'll always I'll, I'll always have a few solos during the night, but but I said, you know, you're yeah. gonna end up doing most of the guitar work because that's just how I. It's just that's just what happens, you know. When you, when you start to become, when you really change from being a guitar player in the E3 band to a front man, you know, the front man yeah. for me is, is I take that literally. You know, he is the front man, and, and uh, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I and I see that as a as a as a job that that um, you want to. Ideally, you know, the front man connects directly with the audience. I mean, that's, that's really the gig, and that's why um, lead singers, you know, tend to be, you know, more successful uh, in terms mm -hmm. of that, that taking down the wall in between, you know, yourself and an audience. You know, because yeah. the guitar, it actually, you know, it does, it, it, it does a lot of things, but one one of the things it does, it, it does separate you from the audience in, in a way. You know, it, it's, a, yeah. it's a it's a barrier between you. You know, really. Mm -hmm. You know, sure. I mean, you know, yeah. you don't look at it that way, but that's but that's physically what it is. So you know, so basically, um, I'm still doing most of the solos on the uh, on the album uh, this this time. Although uh, Mark did the solo in um, World of Our Own. Mm -hmm. And he's doing um, all the guitars, all the all the funky licks on like Gravity and uh, yeah. things like that, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I did the solo. You know, the, the basic was only like three solos. I think is um, you know communion, uh, superfly, and um, mm-hmm. I don't know what else. So let me think. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, um, party mambo, I guess. Yep. So, um, so live, I'm doing even less. I'm doing, I'm doing communion, uh, and a couple of other things, but, but I gave, I gave, uh, Mark the, um, party mambo solo live. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, we're doing a couple of old, older songs of mine, like, uh, Los Desaparecidos, which, uh, was one of my best guitar solos actually on record and um, mm-hmm. I gave that to Mark Mark's doing that and um, um, you know so he, he he will he will increasingly do more and more gotcha. um, sure. you know and, I, and I, you know I'll do I'll, I'll, I'll always do a couple but um, mm-hmm. the more of a front man I become you know the less I will play. Van Zandt said uh, pretty much all of this serendipity. He said none of this actually was planned. Well, there was no plan uh, other than um, jumping back in, you know, jumping yep, back sure. in, 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 into the ocean here, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, and, and hoping that, <laughs> hoping I can re- still remember how to swim. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, it, it was, it was really a, um, you know, it was just a moment uh, that was of complete circumstance. Mm-hmm. I had no plan to come back whatsoever. I had no burning desire to make a solo album. None. I mean, yeah. I wasn't standing around saying, I wish I could make a record. <laughs> um, this, this, I mean, honestly, I mean, it's a, it sounds like a ridiculous story, but the, it's this promoter in London, Leo Green, uh, asked when we were coming back to London. This was like the end of the uh, E Street tour. It must have been, oh, geez, I, I lose track of time now, but it must have been, I don't know, 2016, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, well, me and my wife are coming back to Bill Wyman's birthday, uh, wherever that was, October, November. And, and he said, um, you know, that's the same week as my blues festival that I put on. Why don't you throw a band together and, and, and headline one at night, you know? Yeah. And I was like, wow. Um, well, other than the fact that I haven't done that for like 25 years, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it just sounded like fun. You know what I mean? It's just okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, now and, I, and I had met a bunch of new musicians uh, doing the Darlene Love album um, mm-hmm. of uh, whenever that was, I think 2006. 13, 14, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of had, you know, I don't, I don't even produce records that often. Never mind, never mind my own, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but I had, I had produced a, a new album for Darling Love, which I was very, very happy with. I thought it was the best thing I've ever done. And, and, um, met some new, new musicians and, um, you know, so, so I, I had met, I had brought Mark Ribbler in as a, as an MD, you know, as a music director for Darlene. And so I borrowed Mark back from Darlene, and I said, "Listen, I, you know, put, put a band together and and let's do this festival." And and for the first time in I don't know how long. I mean, we're saying twenty years. It could be as many as thirty years. Um, uh-huh. You know, I put a bunch of my songs on a list, 
and some blues things. And I figured we'd have some fun playing some Paul Butterfield, you know. You, yeah, you, you never sure. get a chance. You, you know, nobody ever hears Paul Butterfield stuff with the horns. <laughs> nobody ever hears Electric Flag. Let's do some Electric Flag, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. You know. Uh, let's have some fun. But then I also put it, put in there, you know, whatever, 10 or 15 of my own songs. And playing those songs at the, at the first rehearsal was really a revelation, man. It was, it was a little bit shocking uh, to realize that this stuff really held up in a, in a weird way uh-huh. because it had it kind of become its own genre, this, this, this rock meets soul thing, you know, that yep. I... I kind of created with Southside Johnny and Adbury Juice, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I really said, you know what, this this stuff has value, and I, I need to reconnect with this stuff, man. So that's when we decided, you know, we did the show, which was a lot of fun, and and the crowd went crazy, and it was really just fun. And we came home, and and we just went right in and did the Soul Fire album, which was basically the live show that we had just done, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, and said, you know, well, Bruce, you know, Bruce is on Broadway. Um, he's going to do at least a year. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I got no new TV show. Um, yeah. You know, let's just let's just go for it, man. Let's let, let's you know <laughs> let's let's reconnect with your own your own self. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah and, sure. Uh, and, and and man, it was a, it was such a wonderful experience because. Um, I realized, you know, Jesus, I, I should not have abandoned my life's work, which is what I had done <laughs> without knowing it, you know. And sure. Yeah. Start, you know, started acting, and Bruce put the E Street Band back together, and, and literally mm-hmm. 20 years went by, you don't even realize it, you know. Yep. Sure. So anyway, so it was a, it's been a wonderful couple of years, man, uh, re- reconnecting, and then, and then the, the, you know, the icing on the cake, and I mean big icing on the cake, it might even be the cake, uh, you know, is the summer of sorcery, which um, at this stage of the game, to not only make a new record that I'm proud of, but to make a new record that's such an artistic breakthrough mm-hmm. for me to be able to see a future now. If I, you know, if, and, and we're gonna we're gonna keep this type of soul together one way or the other here. Yep. You know, and continue continue to do this because it's just too valuable and. Uh, and uh, and the re- the reward is this is this new album and, and it's a new album in a in a whole new way that gives me a rebirth uh, artistically that I could see into the future now you know with with making fictionalized records you know mm-hmm. all, you're you're only, you're only limited by your imagination which is yeah. Um, yeah. wonderful you know wonderful mm-hmm. wonderful opportunity so so you know I'll be balancing the e Street Band you know we'll see what Bruce wants to do next year. Um, you know, but I'll, you know, and I always give him first priority. Uh-huh. So, you know, I will balance. I will balance what what we do with him and what I do with him and what I do with the disciple of soul, and and then eventually I will try to sneak a TV show in there in the middle. But um, <laughs> you know, that's what it looks like, man. <laughs> you have, as they say, options. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Pretty good. laughs> Does uh, I remember reading? Maybe it was on your Twitter account. Are you re-releasing your back catalog at some point this year? Yes, uh, I've been trying to do that, and we um, we just got really hung up on the Soulfire Live project, which turned out to be a big, big project. You know, it was four mm-hmm. hours of music. It was a double Blu-ray DVD, you know, DVD, yeah. and, uh, yeah. seven seven vinyl album box set. You know, uh, <laughs> and. Um, and then we decided, you know, we also need to get out the Lilyhammer score. So yep. that's coming out 
uh, that's coming out in July, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, so that I'm, I'm very happy to get that out because that's really the only music I made for for years. You know, right. uh, yep. was was the Louis Hammer stuff, and there's lots of good stuff in there. The whole jazz album, you know, and and then, yep. and then an entire second a second volume of um, all bits and pieces of uh, various things that you know for the for the for the TV show. And then okay. the entire five album catalog plus Fun City, um, mm-hmm. uh, live DVDs of shows back back in the eighties. Um, huge oh, huge project, all coming out in, in September, I think, if we if we stay on schedule here. And, cool. Um, so yeah, so that's finally that's all finally coming out. And that'll be the bulk of what of what's been un, un, uh, unavailable. Will finally all be available. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple little bits and pieces still remain. You know, but but I'll get to them eventually. But but that's the main stuff now. Will be out. Yeah. You know. uh, also, you have uh, the Sirius XM thing going on. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. I still have the only two music stations. You know, I have my underground garage rock station. Yep. Uh, Channel 21, and I also have Outlaw Country yeah. on Channel 60. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, to, to this day, I'm the only one with two music stations. I mean, Howard Stern has two stations of, of talk and, and news yeah. and whatever, but, but, yeah. Are they, uh, are, do you, uh, are you the basically sole programmer, or have you given up some of that uh, authority, or how does that work? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, I let, I let, um, I found a terrific guy to, uh, you know, I, I can't. I can't spend equal amount of time on both stations. It, it's just right. You know, so yeah, that's so what I, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I tend to um, watch over the the rock station a little closer. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But I have a I have a wonderful cat named Jeremy Tepper, who um, who runs the uh, well country station, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, once I gave him the the basic format, you know, yeah. He really did understand it, you know, and, and so he's been doing a terrific job for me. Yep. Uh, thank goodness, because I just I just can't do everything, you know. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, that's so, that's what I was asking. I thought, gee whiz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, because I'm, I'm always I'm always tweaking the um, the rock station. All you know, to this day, yeah. every time I listen to it, you know, I change a little something, and mm-hmm. uh, so that's. Uh, although I got I got terrific people running that too. By the way, I got a. Uh, you know, now my my producer of my show, Dennis Mortensen, has taken over uh, producing, basically overseeing the entire channel. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he's been great. Uh, Kid Leo uh, ran it for years for me. He's still one of our uh, mm-hmm. most important DJs, but uh, mm-hmm. he moved down south. So, uh, so um, we moved uh, Dennis into his position of uh, of uh, you know, keeping an eye on things. Yep. So that's that's happening. You know, the record label's still happening. Um, you know, we've um, we got a lot of great great records really uh, being made yeah. still. You know, beyond all logic and and, and, and practicality, <laughs> people still want to be in rock band. You know, uh-huh. and, uh, <laughs> you know. I mean, there's no there's no real logic logical reason to be in one, but. We we counted the bands the other day. We've introduced over a thousand new bands in our seventeen years. You know. Really? So, that's so yeah, man. That's and and I mean that's the cream of the crop. You know. So 
There's people, you know, playing traditional yep. rock and roll out there. You may not hear about them, but unless you listen to my station, but uh, yeah, a lot of well, great rock and roll getting made, man. A lot of great stuff, really, really great. You know, that's part of the uh, beauty of underground garage. Is I'm I'm a I'm an older guy, and I don't run into any new rock and roll unless I'm listening to underground garage, which is great because right. I've ran into you know half a dozen bands in the last two months that I no oh, God checked them out just only because of your radio station basically so well that's it boy we're the only, we have, we have the only format that can play new rock and roll I mean tracks mm-hmm. you know yeah so um, we we take that very seriously and uh, you know people are submitting stuff all all from all around the world and uh, you know if it's great man we play it you don't have to you don't have to have a manager or lawyer or record company or anything I mean you know yeah. as long as it's great. Yeah, and uh, we have but we have a very high standard, you know. We do, but, sure. uh, yeah. But if it's great, we're gonna play it, you know, and we're gonna play mm-hmm. it. You know, we're in a hundred countries, man. We're gonna play it all over the place. So uh, yep. Uh, this interview with Stephen Van Zandt uh, happened in summer of 2019 when his Summer of Sorcery album came out. Uh, going on tour, actually, uh, we found out then uh, Bruce Springsteen had announced at the time of this interview he had just written a new E Street Band record. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't talked to him about it, but. Uh, I, I'm not surprised, to tell you the truth, because he just—he's the most prolific writer mm-hmm. I think that there's ever been. You know, he's—he's. He's, uh, I mean, Bob Dylan gives him a run for his money, but 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 <laughs> I mean, basically, you know, Bruce just—he just—he's just a writing fool, man. He just—he yeah. just writes and writes and writes, and uh, and you know, and and the fact that he writes is such a high quality, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After all these years. Really, really quite inspiring, you know? Van Zandt says, uh, when the E Street Band does get together, not a big deal. Things fall together very quickly. The great thing about that band is, you know, we record so quickly. I mean, uh, we can we can do, you know, if, 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 if he has it written, we, yep. we can do a couple, you know, we can do a couple songs a day. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, sure. it's really quite, quite remarkable uh, how quickly we can, uh, how quickly we can work after all these years, you know. Van Zandt, of course, also got into acting at one point. He was Tony Soprano's consigliere on The Sopranos, and he starred in Netflix's Lilyhammer. Does he have any interest in still acting? Yeah, I was looking at something. I, I was um, offered one thing that I, I was really seriously considering and, and trying to sneak it in before this tour, and um, and they didn't quite get it together in time. So um, I also have five completed scripts myself oh. um, you know so I like to I like to create a show from scratch if possible <laughs> and I have another, you know I got plenty of ideas believe me I got another 20 treatments <laughs> so um, you know so there's definitely you know something in there that I want to do at some point it's just you really need a solid six months you know to, to do it mm-hmm. and uh, not easy to find you know not easy to find between between the uh, you know between disciples of soul and potential East Street band, you know it's going to yeah. be a little tricky finding that six months now. But um, you don't have a lot of downtime. <laughs> no, no, it really kind of keeps you keeps you going, and uh, and you want to keep that momentum going, especially with the disciples now because it's a brand new thing. Yep. You know, I mean, um, you know, so we've had phenomenal momentum going these past two years. I mean, to to have Two albums plus a huge live project yeah. within, within two years. You know that's about as productive as you can be, man. And I'm, 
Yeah. I'm, I'm proud of that, man, because I, I am always very frustrated at my output. I always feel frustrated that I'm not, I'm not, you know, putting enough stuff out. And uh, I must say, these, these two years, I, I felt very, very good about, you know. Yeah, I was going to say, you shouldn't feel frustrated the last uh, last couple no. of years, given everything you had no. going on. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I got to agree. Yeah. You're, you're also very prolific on Twitter, which is fun, because you have a very fun Twitter account. Social media is something <laughs> you, you just jumped into kind of uh, full foot in the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I... I when you, you know, I, I often get in trouble, as you've noticed. But, but uh, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, and my and my wife is always talking me down, saying, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't say that to somebody, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, well, they shouldn't have pissed me off, man, you know. But yeah, uh, I understand, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I do find it. I must say, you know, with all the trouble I get into, and and. and and you know various discussions. I, I must say, there's something really remarkable about talking directly to uh, you know your audience, sure. um, and and talking to people worldwide directly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just something absolutely terrific about that. It's, it's just amazing. Uh, and think about it, you know. Yeah. You talk to just speaking directly to people worldwide, and. Uh, I get a kick out of it. I gotta say, so so you know, I'm gonna continue it until I finally until I take it away from me. You know. <laughs> One last musical note, if uh, you'll pardon the pun, the liner notes of the Summer of Sorcery credits a Sergio Rulas Jr. with the Dwayne Eddy guitar on the title cut. Now, Dwayne Eddy, for uh, all you youngsters out there, a fine guitarist, had a lot of hits in the late 50s into the early 60s, still continues to play, still a fine guitar player, and uh, he was known for his uh, twanging sound, let's put it that way. Uh, and Dwayne apparently wasn't available, according to Little Steven, for the album, but uh, they gave Sergio, the assistant engineer, the job to do on the record. We, we, were, we were down... You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I really didn't anticipate it enough because um, by the time I asked him, he was, he was, he was uh, on the road, you know. Yeah. And so, um, so uh, the assistant engineer <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> who was, uh, you know, the Bob, Bob Clear Mountain's assistant, uh, Sergio, um, you know, was a, is actually quite a good guitar player. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you know, so I, I kind of left it. I left it to the end because I just I was hoping that I was hoping that you know he you know Dwayne could do it himself. And then when he couldn't, you know, we were already mixing. Uh, so I said, you know, I said Sergio, you know, you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna have to do this part, man. <laughs> And, uh, and, he, and, he, and he, did a, he did a great job on it. Yeah. Little Steven, Steve Van Zant interviewed for Vintage Guitar Magazine story in the summer of 2019. Check out Vintage Guitar at VintageGuitar.com. I think it's the uh, best guitar magazine out there. Uh, don't forget to rate the show on iTunes and listen to uh, Podcast One or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, my name is John Hyde. It's been great having you here. We have more talk from another guitarist of note next time. And uh, don't forget, we're bringing this, you, uh, bringing this to you weekly. And uh, we have a lot of interviews to choose from about 30 years worth. Uh, it'll be guitars you love and you know. So uh, be sure to tune in next time on the Fret Club. <laughs>